uh, the night before he betrayed. The night before all hell would break loose in the region. This is when Jesus set up communion. He looked at his brothers, his friends, his followers, his disciples. The night before each one of them would learn and recognize the true purpose of Jesus. Jesus took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. It was that same night, that same time, knowing that Hours later, each one of these men would recognize their need for forgiveness. They would embody their weakness. They would demonstrate their brokenness. The night before all of that, Jesus took the cup and said, this is the new covenant. Poured out in my blood for you. It is the blood, it's the cup it's the sacrifice of Jesus that gives you hope that you're no longer a weakened vessel of sin, that you are a transformed person, a new creation, an instrument set apart for the glory of God. All of that is made possible through Jesus Christ, and all of that has already been accomplished. And so for many of us, after we drink the cup, we crack it as a symbol of the completed work that Jesus has already done. Jesus said, this is my, my blood shed for you. Boy, these are hard, aren't they? <laughs> Pardon me. Oh, good heavens. Whew. Uh, I'm complaining about that. It was way harder for Jesus. <laughs> Jesus said, this is my blood shed for you. Let's drink together. Jesus, as a church family, we come before you in thanksgiving. At this service, at this time, being grateful, remembering your sacrifice, your love and your devotion for us that led you to take on the form of your own creation with the mindset of suffering and dying so that we might be participants in your kingdom. So God, now I pray that you would remind us of this truth, not just for over the next hour, but God, over the next days and weeks to come, that you have set us apart. You've declared us righteous, empowered us with your spirit, that we might be a reflection of your glory to all who will listen. We pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I'm often asked by a series of different ways, what does God desire for us in a culture like ours? I mean, why are we here? Why did Jesus leave thousands of Christians in Kooky, California, and not move us all to North Carolina. Why are we here? 
And there's a various, there's, there's a myriad of responses that people give on how we are here to bring, to bring transformation and change to our culture. But I think there's one aspect of the Christian faith that is oftentimes forgotten. There's one truth and powerful part of the Christian faith that for whatever reason for generations has kind of been pushed off to the side, and that's this. Impact through missions. Impact through evangelism. Impact by his people, the power of God, or the people of God proclaiming the gospel to everyone who will listen. And I'd love to share a passage of scripture with you to illustrate that point. If you have your Bibles, will you please join me in the Gospel of Matthew? Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9. If you're new to your Bibles, the Gospel of Matthew, first book of the New Testament. If you don't know where that is, just go to the last book of the New Testament and just flip to the left. You'll look super spiritual as you're getting there. Matthew chapter 9. It's in the early to middle part of the ministry of Jesus. I want to share something that oftentimes we overlook. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35. Look what it says, as Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. I mean, this is what Jesus did, right? First thing, he would go and teach in their synagogues. The Bible tells us that he would teach in such authority, the people would be in awe. I mean, they never heard someone teach the word of God with such power and authority. It was as if Jesus had written the very thing. And people would come hundreds of miles to just for the chance of hearing Jesus teach. But it wasn't just his teaching. It also says he was healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. I mean, Jesus, when he walked the earth, he not only taught with authority, but he ministered in power. And people would bring their sick, their wounded, their broken, their hopeless to Jesus in confidence that he had the power to transform their very physical life at that moment. There's another response Jesus had I want to show you. As he was walking through town, as he was doing his ministry, teaching and healing, he also saw, look at verse 36, seeing the people recognizing that, man, Jesus had this ability to peer into the very soul of men and women. Look what he said. Seeing the, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them. A term compassion, he had great affection. He was sympathetic to his core. He didn't feel rage because of their rebellion. He didn't get angry at their brokenness. He didn't make fun of their needs. He didn't look down upon them. He had compassion. He had sympathy. When he looked at the brokenness of culture, if anyone had the right to be angry, it would be him, but he didn't. He didn't yell at them. 
He didn't wave angry, hateful signs at him. The Bible said he felt compassion to the very core of his being. He was broken at what he saw. Why? Because they were distressed. Man, they were hurting. They were dispirited. They were hopeless. Like sheep without a shepherd. See, what everyone else saw is just rebellious and broken people. Jesus, he knew what they needed. And look at what he told his disciples, verse 37. He said to his disciples, his followers, all those people that left everything to follow him. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. That term plentiful, the, resort, the results of God's work is large. It's a huge number, a whole bunch. It's way too much to count. Man, what God is doing is beyond what we can recognize. The harvest is plentiful. Man, God is doing such crazy things. The harvest is plentiful, but big biblical but right there. Harvest is plentiful. Man, God's doing incredible work, but the workers are few. The direct opposite of plentiful. The workers are few, too few, an amount too small to keep up with the work of God. Man, God's doing all this great stuff. There aren't enough workers to keep up. Therefore, verse 38, because God's at work. God's at work doing stuff that we can't even recognize. We're not keeping up with what he's doing because there aren't enough workers. Therefore, he says to his disciples, beseech, pray, beg. God is doing such incredible things. But there aren't enough people to keep up with it. So he looks at his disciples, so pray. Beg God to send people to do it. Beg God to bring someone else up to send them out there. I was thinking, I wonder how long Jesus let them do that. Here's these followers of Jesus. They left everything to follow Jesus. And they're beginning to get eyes and they're seeing, they're seeing the brokenness of culture and they're learning not to respond with anger, not to respond with hatred, not to respond with control. No, no, no. You respond with pity with compassion because you know what they need. They need to be reconciled with their Savior. And Jesus says, man, I sure hope someday God will send people to do it. And there you have at least 12, 50, maybe 100 people praying, Jesus, oh God, we know you're doing great things. Send people to go do it. God, we know you're doing incredible stuff. Please send your ministers. I wonder how long Jesus let them pray that until the next verse happened. See, the Bible doesn't tell us how much time there is between chapter 9, verse 38, and chapter 10, verse 1. I suspect there is a little bit of time. Jesus let them stew in the fact that God's doing so much work they can't even keep up. I wonder how many days they prayed God, send someone. Send someone to do your work. After minutes, hours, maybe days of these people praying that God would send someone to do his work, 
Jesus did this. Chapter 10, verse 1. Then Jesus summoned his 12 disciples. That term summon means to call up for a job, to call forward for a task. After these guys have been praying, oh God, I hope you send someone. Jesus says, all right, here you go. It's time enough. You're it. God's sending you. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples, gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Hey, you've been praying for God to send someone to do the ministry of the work. Guess what? You're it. You're it. Dirty trick, I think. I think there's still thousands of Christians praying. Man, God, the world's so broken. Raise up more pastors, God, so they'll save it. God, the world's so broken. We need Christian politicians. God, raise up someone else to go and save our kooky state. God, families are so divided. God, please send someone to go teach our kids about who you are. And we're praying all those things and God's looking down and says, you're it. It's more than just Matthew chapter 10. Look at what Jesus said at the end of the book of Matthew. Matthew 28. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Acts 1.8 has a similar passage. Acts 1.8. Right before Jesus ascended into heaven, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Why? Why why do we need the Holy Spirit? You shall be my witnesses. Both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. It's that truth that led Paul to ask this question in Romans chapter 10. So there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is the Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him, for whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him if they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Man, what if, folks... What if we're not supposed to just pray for people to transform culture? What if we're to do more than just pray that someone else will impact the world? What if we're to be the ones doing it? Man, I think there's still so many people that just are waiting for the superstars, or waiting for the special, for the book authors, for the conference speakers, for the famous. What if the real plan of God is for each and every one of us to make an impact through missions, through evangelism? Is that truth that brought me to three questions I'd love to share with you? Three questions. The first question is this, how does CVCC make an impact locally? Hey, Brian, if we're the ones who are supposed to make an impact, how does CVCC do it? Let me tell you, the first and most 
effective way to make an impact locally is for everyone to share their faith two times a year. There's two months out of every year we have Reach Sunday or Reach Month. We spend a month praying, praying for God to bring one person into our life, one person to mind, one person that God has just placed in our life where you're wondering, I don't know how we got connected. We don't like the same things. We don't agree on anything, but for some reason we're friends. We hang out at work, we hang out at school. They're our neighbor. I don't get it, but God's connected us. I don't know why. Could it be that God's connected you with them so that you would share the gospel? I used to say, statistically, that if each each one of us shared our faith and the Holy Spirit came back at a 20% success ratio, we'd run out of seats. I can't say that anymore because if it's not a holiday weekend, we don't have any seats. Last week, our parking lot was full. So this is no longer about filling seats. This is about transforming lives and having an impact on culture. Man, if each and every one of us shared our faith with one person this month, and the Holy Spirit came back at a 20% success ratio, you know how many people that would be? Or 200 people. 200 people. Our statistics tells 47% of our 10-mile radius have no religious involvement whatsoever. That's not including those who are deceived and believe in other religions. So demographically, one out of every two people you meet in this 10-mile radius don't know who Jesus is. They don't see Jesus the way you do and the way I do. I mean, folks, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Best way to do it, best way we do it, is if we all shared our faith with one person this month. Some of you might be saying, Brian, I wouldn't know the first thing to say. For some reason within Christendom, sharing our faith is one of the most fearful things in Christian life. Man, we'd rather go across continents than share our faith with our neighbor. Some of us say, oh, Brian, I'm not spiritual enough yet. When I get more spiritual, I'll do it. Brian, I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough about the Bible. And my thing is, I don't think that's what qualifies you to share your faith. I'm a pastor, and I'm not the most spiritual person here at church. There are men and women who are far more spiritual than me. I'm a pastor, and I'm not the smartest one at church. I mean, we have staff people who are way smarter than I am. I'm a pastor because I've experienced the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, and I want other people to experience that too. I'm a pastor because I recognize what it's like to be forgiven from the sins of my youth and the rebellion of my adulthood. I've experienced times where I have peace beyond human comprehension and I want other people to experience it too. I don't have all the answers. But I have been changed and transformed by the one who does. And you don't have to have all the answers. Just share your faith what Jesus has done in your life and invite them to follow Jesus and learn more about him just as you are. 
to help you along the way, we've created this resource. So these New Testaments, they're available all over the church, in the info center, at the welcome booth. In the front cover, there's questions for you to interact with. It's not a program. You don't have to draw any pictures. It's just questions to have a conversation with your friend. Questions just to lead you along the way. Bible verses with page numbers for you to show them the truth of God and then questions at the end. These are available for you. You don't have to use this. But it's a resource for you because we believe every person, man, if every person would share their faith one time, twice a year, that would make an impact in our culture. But we have other ministries that we partner with locally to make an impact. Here's a list of them. Options Women's Care Center. It's a, it's a time where women and men are dealing with this fear of unplanned pregnancies. What do we do? What are our options? What does God desire for me? This is a ministry not only walks with women in the midst of this time, but shares the gospel of Jesus, not only helping them choose life for this baby, but to choose eternal life for themselves. Educators ministry, man, teachers, public school, Christian school, higher ed, lower ed, whatever, I don't think it's lower ed, whatever the difference of higher ed is. It's more than a job. It's a ministry. And we have a ministry. We want to support you in it. Man, what if Christian teachers filled campuses and allowed Jesus to be a reflection or their lives to be a reflection of Jesus in the midst of their classroom? We have another ministry, Food for Life. Food for Life works hard to feed the hungry in the Chino Valley, but not only give them physical food, but spiritual food, Bible studies, prayer, leading them in understanding the gospel, release time Christian education. There's a group of people, they drive a bus to just about every elementary campus in the Chino Valley and give every child an opportunity for Bible study at their public school. You might be, Brian, I don't teach kids. Do you drive a bus? You just sit there and watch someone else who teaches kids. I don't know why. It seems like God makes some people to drive the bus and some people to teach the kids. There aren't very many people that do both. I don't go, I don't know why. But we need both. Bus drivers, kid teachers. Operation Christmas Child. Every year, Thousands and thousands and thousands of boxes filled with gifts towards people, toward, heading towards kids that aren't going to get anything. Where they get a gift from you, along with a gospel message and a ministry in their area, following up with them to make sure that they're growing in the knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is. We have two new ministries that we'll be rolling out in the next couple months Boys Republic. If you're not familiar with Boys Republic, it's like half a mile that way. They minister to young men 
who are in the midst of broken lives. And we've been given an opportunity to minister, not just to the staff of Boys Republic, but to the boys of Boys Republic, to bring them the gospel. Love, pray so. You see them outside with the quilts. I gotta be honest, I never knew quilting was that big of a thing. It's a ministry to where people in the midst of their broken and most fearful times of life or they're given a quilt with a message that 20 people are praying for you. Local ministries, local ways that our church tries to band together to bring the gospel. I led to the second question. So, okay, well, Brian, if we're involved in so much locally, what do we do globally? Well, Here's how CVCC impacts globally. I don't know if you're aware of this. 10% of everything in our budget, given to our budget, goes towards global missions. And it's created quite an impact. Here's a map of everywhere that we're a part of. 17 different countries, over 30 partners, either individuals, organizations around the world that we partner with. And these are indigenous leaders who are committed to reaching their people with the gospel of Christ. I want to highlight a few. Estonia, the red dot in the northernmost part of Europe. Most people didn't know about Estonia until the Russians attract, attacked Ukraine and we started to look at all the, border, all the countries that border Russia. You, uh, Estonia is one of them. Celebrating maybe 30 years of freedom around there. One of the most oppressed countries throughout history now distracted by their newly found freedom and their financial comfort, less than 2% of Estonians know who Jesus is. Moldova. Moldova is the other side. Southeast part of Europe, poorest country in Europe. They've had freedom for a while, but because of corruption in their governmental system, man, most people find themselves lacking what they need. But the work the church is doing in a culture where there's nothing is powerful. Or Mexico, it's a new area for us. New area for us. We got in contact with a pastor who felt called to plant a church and do discipleship in the heart of the cartel area. I got to tell you, it's not an area most of us are ever going to go. But the work that this man is doing with the glory of God and the church that he is building right there in the middle of Satan's domain. Man. I want to thank you for decades of your faithfulness and sacrificially giving to where we can support we're not building little CVCCs. We're just finding God's people all over the world and trying to get behind them and push them forward. And the impact's incredible. Thank you for your faithfulness and being a, a church that has always been mindful of the global kingdom of God. That led to my third question then. 
How can you have an impact? Through missions. If the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. In order to do more than just pray for people to be a part of it, I would contend that Jesus said, if you're a disciple, get out there. You are a part of it. So how can you do it? How can you make one step of increasing your impact through missions? In the bulletin, there's a response card in there. I'd like to ask you to pull that out. I'd like to walk you through four options I came up with. These aren't your limited, you're not limited these four as you come up with your own, like you're hereby empowered, do what you want. But here's four ways that I want to encourage you to consider making an impact in 2023 through missions. Number one, share your faith. Share your faith. I dare you to join me every service in September to pray and ask God to give you one name. One name of someone he's put in your life so that he or she may hear the gospel through you. My hunch is some of you already know the name. Like, oh, I know, Brian, I've had that name for a while. Write it down. Write down on the comment card. This is so we can be praying for you. We're not going to call that person. We're not going to hold you, you know, we're, we're not going to go double check on you. We want to pray for you and we want to pray for that individual. And so that the whole church can pray. The name you write on that card, write it down on the canvas out in the lobby. It's something that we've been doing for the last couple years so that all of us, every time we walk by, we'll make a prayer for that person. Just write a first name. Gets a little awkward when that person, you write their first and last name and their relationship to you and then they walk down this wall like, hey, my name's on that board. Makes it a little weird. (laughs) Just put their first name. Jesus knows you know and we'll pray. First way you can make an impact through missions. Share your faith. You can do it right here in your own town. One name, one person. Write it on the card, right on the canvas. Here's a second, partner with a local ministry. You might say, hey, Brian, I'm, I don't have a name or, oof, that's, that's too big a step for me. Okay. Well, you partner with one of our local ministries. Maybe you've always wanted to learn how to sew. And you can start praying for people in their darkest times. Mark the box. Someone will reach out. Maybe you just want to stack cans on a shelf so that the hungry can be fed. Great. Put your name. Mark the box. Maybe you want to work at the Women's Care Center. Man, there's so many needs. You know why? The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. If if we want to make an impact on culture, it can't be relegated to just a ballot every two years. Share your faith. Partner with a local ministry. Here's my third idea. Take part in a short-term trip. Not everyone loves these. Let me tell you why I do. To be honest, I never really went on a short-term trip until I came here. Some older, wiser guys pushed me to start going on trips. You know what I noticed? Short-term trips, 
What I love about it, number one, you're able to witness the global kingdom of God at work. I think sometimes we just think that God only does stuff around us. He doesn't. The same thing he's doing around us, he's doing everywhere else. And I got to tell you, he's doing it better over there. Those guys are kicking our butts, if I can say it like that. Short-term trip, you can go and see the global kingdom of God at work, people worshiping in another language, and all of a sudden it brings that mind where, where John says that every tribe, every nation praising God together in heaven, we can't even fathom it until we go and we see it. Short-term trips allow you to see the kingdom, global kingdom of God at work and participate in it. We don't go to just to dig wells. We go to partner with people in other parts of the world who are digging wells so they can give the gospel. We look for people who know Jesus that we can trust and we go partner with them. Here's projected 2024 trips. I say projected because it's a year away. The world can change in a year, right? Here's where we think we're going. And uh, the best way, I think, to encourage you and inspire you is to hear from some of the leaders. So I'd like to invite some of those leaders up here with me. Yeah, you can applaud. So... This is my friend, Jeff. If you don't know Jeff, you probably don't walk in the front courtyard. Um, but it was, I want to say, 13, 14, 15? 15. 15 years ago, our church, we were struggling financially. We were a fraction of the size. It was a stressful time. The pastor was 15 years younger. And Jeff came and said, I have this crazy idea. Let's go bring wheelchairs to Ecuador. And I just thought, that's nuts. So I said, Jeff, you go tell the elder board. I'm not going to do that. You're one of the old guys. Go tell the other old guys. <laughs> and that has launched our church, I would say, in a completely different direction after that time. So, right. Jeff, share a little bit about uh, Free Wheelchair Mission in Ecuador and introduce Rosalind. Huh? Okay. And I got to do this quickly. All right, all right. Yeah, so, all right. like, X Thank you. marks And Rosalind, come on up to the magic rug with him. Thank you. I got to do this in two minutes, so I took really careful notes. So uh, 15 years ago, I can't believe it, I saw a video that showed what I could do if I was able to raise a container of wheelchairs, I could lead participants from my church to a foreign country to distribute them. And I was all in. Um, so it's been like since then, about 20,000 wheelchairs have been raised uh, from my efforts uh, indirectly and directly. And wealthy, generous people got involved. Some and the church also, you are generous people. And uh, so some people, though, gave fifty dollars or $100,000 at a time to the $2 million fund that went to buy all these wheelchairs, and it's all God. So I have fantastic teams that go with me. You can raise your hand if you've ever been on a team to Ecuador, the fantastic people. Yeah, you can raise your hand. One all the way in the back. So, way to go, Danny. Yeah. And then uh, over here, so, yeah. And so... Um, and then um, 11 trips, about 100 church people or more have gone with me, and they've kind of like been discipled through that. Uh, so a typical distribution, 
uh, involves a bunch of people and recipients and families and dignitaries. And uh, I just say a prayer over them and ask them if they would allow my team to be Jesus for them and to pray and touch and love on them. And so they go and they share the gospel and bless them in the name of Jesus. And um, so it's a win-win-win for everybody, for the church, for me, for the team, for Free Wheelchair Mission, for Ecuador, for the kingdom, mm-hmm. all over the place. And everybody's winning. So that's uh, really cool. And uh, so one day, um, a little girl, uh, well, a, a girl, 17 now, that I met when I was doing toddlers, she was a toddler, and I met Rosalind, and she came up to me, she jumping up and down like, I want to go with you this year. I said, oh, Miranda, um, is your mom going? Your dad going? And then she said, no. I said, oh, uh, let me talk to her. So I saw Rosalind walk up. I said, Rosalind, um, Miranda wants to go to Ecuador. I think you should come too. You're coming, right? And she said, ooh. Um, I will pray. And so a couple weeks later, she said, I prayed. I'm going. And so what happened from there, Rosalind? Well, I I had a lot of doubt and uncertainty because I thought mission trip is something, well, down the path, after I get retired, I have more time. I never thought I should go that time. Um... But nobody can say no to Jeff, you know. So I <laughs> said yes to Jeff. And, oh, God, opened his world in front of me. I just never thought how easy it is for me to participate. Uh, so after we give out wheelchairs, I just prayed with, like, a chance later uh, for the people who receive wheelchair to see if they are willing to accept Jesus Christ. And almost all of them said, yes. And I said, oh, that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> so all you need to, to do is just say yes to Jeff and go. <laughs> How did it change your future? Well, um, a couple of years ago, um, Opportunity came up with our church because we need to support the local ministry of all the um, Chinese immigrants. And when Pastor Brian approached uh, Mike and me, said, "Would you willing to to support because we speak the language?" And we thought, "Oh, how can we say no to Pastor Brian?" So we said yes again. <laughs> uh, ever since then. We're just seeing how amazing God is doing his work. We just cannot keep up with what he's doing with the Chinese ministry. Amen. So uh, Ecuador, next summer, I want to invite you to prayerfully consider going and bringing mobility to people who don't have it. Uh, and not only bringing mobility, but bringing spiritual hope and life to those same people. Uh, if you're like, Brian, I don't want to go internationally. Like, I don't love that, but I love the heat. Um, we have another opportunity for you. Natalie and Mike, one of you won't mind coming up to the uh, magic carpet here. Um, and uh, 
This is Natalie and Mike Liu. And Natalie, can you just share a little bit about gleanings and story, uh, just share with the church about that? Sure. Uh, gleanings is a, a mercy ministry of YWAM. And they're located in Dinubo, California. And their YWAM mission, is? Uh, Youth with a Mission. And their uh, uh, ministry's goal is uh, to serve the um, to serve the world physically, spiritually, and wait, you don't remember the mission statement? <laughs> I'm getting nervous here. Yeah, I think I think their primary goal is just to kind of help feed the hungry, uh, help feed the hungry around the world uh, spiritually and physically um, by providing uh, things like dried peaches, um, uh, kind of like a prepared soup mix, that kind of thing. Yeah, and so this summer we went with a team of 33 of us, uh, young and old, uh, from 60 years old to the 80s, and it was so amazing to be a part of a multi-generational ministry um, with our church family where we got to serve alongside each other, and um, you know, a lot of us were in the, were in the peach plant, but there was also, um, we could see how God provided a role whether, whatever your ability, whether you were young or old, where um, that week we happened to have uh, the gleaning staff wasn't, uh, was sick, and our ladies got to go and work in the kitchen. They got to work in the garden. Um, we, with the younger ones, we got to serve and help clean the bathrooms. Uh, and so... Yeah. Great sales pitch. <laughs> yeah. Great sales pitch. Yeah, but it was just amazing to be able to work together and to, um, at the end of the week, we got to see all the peaches that were processed, and there ended up being 21,000 pounds of fruit that we processed that week, with along with the other um, teams that were there, and then 87,000 um, servings of fruit that will be sent to the partner Christian organizations around the world to help serve the, the hungry. So it's just yeah. amazing to be a part of that. Yeah, and I think for me, I think just one of the really cool things that happened was just kind of seeing how God was able to work in the lives of the CVCC youth and kids that went. And uh, I know for you know for you know for both of us, it's something we've been praying about. Just just really wanting to go on like on a you know family mission trip of our kids and just to help serve alongside our kids and and just be able to start that at a you know pretty early age. And so yeah, this past trip, it was just really neat to see um, just kind of how the kids just you know just from the very beginning how they were able to bond with each other. And after the first day, uh, we primarily served in the peach plant. And after the first day, they just kind of knew what to do. Every morning, they would just go and do their thing and just kind of serve wherever, you know, wherever they were needed. And I remember kind of halfway through the trip, the parents were like, you know, half the time we never see our kids because they knew exactly where to go. And they would just, you know, kind of, you know, kind of put their hands down and just kind of, you know, started helping process peaches and stuff like that. So it just kind of really neat to see that. And also on Friday morning, we normally have a celebration service the, the, the day before we go home. And uh, so, um, and this is among the whole group where the, the cleaning staff and a couple other churches. And I remember what the cleaning staff was kind of, you know, asking us to share about how our week went and how God worked in your lives during that week. And, and I remember as soon as one of the CVCC kids started sharing, everybody else felt like they had to share too. So by the end of the sharing time, and this is in front of like a group of 100 plus people, I mean, more kids I shared about how God worked in their lives during that week than, you know, than probably even the adults did. So it's just really neat just to kind of see God doing that. And I know Pastor Ken last week talked about the importance of family and just how that impacts, you know, um, how family impacts our, you know, youth and kids. And I think there's something cool to be said when, you know, when you kind of gleanings, not only are you serving alongside your family, but you're serving alongside your CVCC church family too. And I think God can do some pretty special things through that. So um, I think we kind of, um, we have a date for next year. So, um, but like Brian said, it is a year away, so if you are really like to get started planning early, we're thinking about June 23rd to June 28th. Um, 
So yeah, so if you have a hard to come to gleanings, and it, it does get hot, so be prepared for that. Uh, but yeah, if you have a desire to kind of help feed the hungry around the world through processing peaches, come join us. Wonderful, thank you. <laughs> Last but not least, uh, least is Luke Miller. And uh, you know, Luke uh, led a team for the first time. It wasn't the first time to Estonia, but it was your first time leading. And uh, share with the church a little bit about the ministry of Estonia and uh, encourage them to join you. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, I'm super grateful for this opportunity to share with you. Um, I want to be respectful of your time, so I'll keep this brief. Um, the, uh, <laughs> I don't, so just... Uh, the ministry we participate in is a week-long evangelistic soccer camp. Um, we get to go and help support the local Estonian leaders, um, share the gospel twice a day, um, and work... Um, uh, work in the kitchen, help, help support them, uh, and play soccer with the Estonian youth. Um, guys, just to share um, very quickly um, the impact that we had. Um, like Brian mentioned, this was my second year going. Um, I got to meet a student named Ron Josip last year. Um, and at the camp, he, he came to faith. Um, he made a commitment not only to follow Jesus, but to participate in weekly discipleship through the year with the Estonian leaders. Um, I got to see him again this year, and he changed from very quiet, very reserved, um, truly not a happy person to recognizing me, running up to me, saying, guys, I, I can't wait to tell you about what I've learned about Jesus. Um, the change in his life was evident, and that is strictly because of the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. Mm. And you know, it's because of the, the, the weekly, the regular discipleship, it's the life lived with Christ and with the Estonian leaders that he was able to grow in this way. But the impact that we had as a CVCT team was to go and to support those Estonian leaders so that they didn't have to focus on making sure the kids are cleaning up the soccer field, making sure um, the food is ready for them to eat every day, making sure they didn't have to clean dishes. Um, we, as a church, were able to support these leaders by making sure all of the peripheral was taken care of so that they, the pastors, could focus on the gospel. And, guys, it has a real impact. I don't have time to share all the stories, um, but I love talking about this. So if you see me out um, at the end of service, please come ask me. I'd love to share. Thanks, Luke. Oh, he can do Thank you, guys. Uh, there will be more information coming out as we draw closer uh, to the time, but I'm telling you, a great way to make an impact. Short-term missions, usually over the summer, it gives you a chance to witness the global kingdom of God and participate in it. There's one last way I want to share with you. The sponsored child. You might say, Brian, I can't travel. I got to work. I have limitations. I'm, uh. Here's another great way. You can be a part. We partner with Mohi, uh, Missions of Hope International. They're a ministry in Kenya that, that work on ministering to the most vulnerable and the poorest of the poor of their region. And, and uh, they, well, here's a story. Here's a video of someone's impact. My name is Sistine. I'm 11 years old. I have lived in Madhari Valley my whole life. 
I was born to be a street girl. We all wish we could go to school, but many kids like me can't afford to go. They don't have much to do, they just stay home. Before I joined Missions of Hope, life was so hard. Sometimes we didn't have enough food to eat. My mom would go on the street to look for food. We could go without food even for a day. One day, my mother told me she found a school for me. I asked, which school? She said, Missions of Hope. that I'm at Missions of Hope, I'm in school. I'm learning so much. Math is my favorite subject. I'm eating two meals a day. They provide us health care and we can see the dentist. I gained confidence being in school. I even lead our school music team. I want to be a musician when I grow up. Missions of Hope is like a family to me. I feel that, like I'm loved. I've seen how God is taking me far from the street up to now where I am. It's God. Without God, I won't be here. I'm thankful for Missions of Hope. So for the last, uh, the last 10 years plus, our church has been partnering with a certain school, an area called Mathari North. Every school has a church right next to it. We also sponsor that pastor. His name's Boaz. Uh, and in that school, there's about 1,000 kids, and three, a little over 300 of them still have not been sponsored. And so when I came back from Kenya, I decided I, I, I want to lay that need before you, a great way to have an impact support other kids like Sistine. They can get two meals a day. It's not always meals that you and I would want, but man, when you don't have food, no one's late for those meals. They get medical care, they get Christian education, um, but most importantly, they hear about who Jesus is and the transformation of their families. $40 a month is what it costs to Supply those kids with all of that. There's a number of ways that you can support or sign up to sponsor a child. There's a QR code in the response card. If you want to sponsor a child, just mark it, put your name and information. We can follow up with you on that. Or you can go out to the table, and there's a table out there to where you can uh, sign up, sponsor one or, or more kids so that they might not only have an opportunity to hear the gospel, but have a future. Um, the harvest is plentiful. Man, I got to tell you, God is doing more things than we can keep up with. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. I think it's time to get past where so many of us are is praying that God may send someone and commit to taking one step towards making an impact yourself. There's four options on the response card. I'm going to ask that you perfectly consider one of those, fill out the information just so we can 
reach out to you this week. You can give the cards to the ushers as you're, as you're leaving. Uh, you can visit the Mohi table and sponsor a child. Perfectly consider a short-term trip. For those of you who are overachievers, you can do more than one. That's okay. But I'd really like to ask you to perfectly consider what's one way you can make an impact through missions this year. Let's pray. Jesus, we are grateful and thankful. God, for all that you have before us. God, we're sitting here this morning aware, aware, God, that you are doing far more abundantly all that we can ask or think or even imagine. So God, we ask you to open our eyes, allow us to see it. God, open our minds that we might comprehend how we can be a part of it. God, open our hearts, God, as we see the brokenness of culture and the hopelessness of the world. God, protect us from responding as so many with anger or judgment. Instead, God, give us what Jesus had, compassion, and motivate us to be a part. God, we know that you are doing such incredible work. So God, I pray for my friends here. God, lead them, guide them. Give them eyes to see how they might be a part of it, ears to hear the prompting of your spirit, boldness and faith, God, that they might proclaim your truth to all who will listen. We pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen.